Fix the Convince. Welcome to the Fix the Convince podcast. Here's your host, New Spark founder, Paul Mosenson. Hello out there. It's Paul Mosenson, Fix the Convince podcast. Nice to have you here. So we have some uh, an interesting guest today. I know I always say that, but they're all interesting. That's why I have them on the show. Uh, today, even though we're a podcast, we're going to talk visual. <laughs> we're going to talk, you know, it's kind of ironic. Uh, display advertising, all those ads you see and scroll by and decide what's that doing here? Ad blocker, maybe, maybe not, but we are targeting you for a reason. Uh, somehow you're a piece of data, but it's important. Display advertising, like, you know, I'm a former media director in an advertising agency, and I know the importance of message and frequency and branding. And uh, no one questioned the effectiveness of a billboard. How did the billboard do? No, it's branding. We get impressions. Why? Because it's recall. When you need something, you remember something. When you remember something, you're more likely to buy it. Okay. So that's the power of display advertising, right? and messaging and that's kind of a starting point here how to convince people to pay attention to display advertising and how to measure it and we have a special guest today who actually has her own uh, display advertising podcast as well the programmatic digest podcast and her name is ellen parker hi ellen hey paul thank you for having me good hope you didn't mind that introduction i just it was just perfect it was very fitting thank you very much you're welcome so who are you? You um, run a consultancy called Ellen Parker Consulting, of course, LLC. <laughs> and uh, you're the founder, of course, and you're a, um, it's interesting, uh, a programmatic media consultancy where she provides comprehensive media strategies and operational workflow to support small, medium-sized agencies and brands in the, uh, you know, I guess, online display programmatic space. Correct. Uh, which is, uh, it's kind of niche to start your own company doing that, you know, versus. Um... Well, you know, they ask you what is, uh, I saw multiple pain points working for agencies and brands. And I said, well, no one wants to spend time doing that. Then I'm happy to spend time doing that for you because it's very important. So that's what happens. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Mm -hmm. So you've been in programmatic and you've done search and paid social as well, eight years of servicing agencies for three years now and various mm -hmm. verticals as tourism, travel. I've done that too. Education. Hey, I've done that too. B2B. I've done that too. Uh, healthcare, retail, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Now you write this on your bio. If you ask what her why is, she would say it's to retire her mother in the next three years and gain financial and time freedom for her family. That's great. And you value mental and physical health and has set her business up to complement her clients' professional and personal needs. And where are you from again? I am from, <laughs> I was born and raised in Senegal, which is in West Africa. And my origins are from Cape Verde and Lebanon. Cape Verde is also a Portuguese island in West Africa. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I'm glad you could fly in and do our podcast today. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been uh, I've been an American citizen for about what ten years now. I so know. we're we're here. I think it's ten years. I I lose count. I can't even remember what day of the 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 week it is. So where are you based now? 
I am in Raleigh, North Carolina. Okay, right, right. Okay. Oh, you know what? Sidebar. I don't know if mm-hmm. I edit this or not, but um, an, a, a, fr- a friend of mine used to ring bells for the Raleigh Ringers. It's a bell, a bell mm-hmm. choir. I don't know if you heard of that or not. Oh no, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Very yeah, fun fact. Yeah, they're national. <laughs> look it up on YouTube. They're nationally known um, uh, ringers, at, like churches and events. And, oh wow, very know, ringer. They're ringers. <laughs> ringers. Okay. Raleigh <laughs> Ringers, nationally, internationally renowned. Okay. Okay. Uh, enough of that. And um, fast forward. Uh, so we're going to talk about display advertising and, 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 and don't take it lightly, everybody out there, because like I said, you know, I know we get emails, we get search, whatever it is, where there's marketing, Facebook, scroll, scroll. But, you know, all we're trying to do is solve a problem and, and get in front of an audience that may be likely to pay attention. And, um, but really, um, I talk about goals, um, you know, we know like with the web measurable and things like that, but in your view, what are the goals of programmatic display advertising toward a company and, and why should they should consider that as part of their media mix in general? I think that's a great question. Thank you for asking it, Paul. So what we want to start with is that display advertising is a channel and it should be part of, our, of your strategy. So within that strategy, you set a goal or a business objective. If you're in retail, it would be selling of your product. If you're B2B, it would be gaining more clients. Um, you know, it will be a service base. So your strategy is gaining more clients, right? So which channel is going to complement your strategy and translate into the numbers you want to translate into at the end of the month, right? When the accountant is uh, sending you that email, (laughs) you want to make sure that those numbers are translating as well. So that is the first thing I would like to point out, that the display is a channel. So why should we care about it? Super important. Um, It's one of the OG of the advertising world, you know, image, um, visual. uh, It it tells the story. It is very annoying sometimes because some of us marketers Mm. do not have things like frequency control under control, no pun intended. And so if I had to re- re- recap the importance of display advertising, I would say this. Um, one, it is a cost-effective way to share your message. Again, remember that you are using it as a complement to your strategy. So you would want to add an additional channel to it. Display can um, is very cost-effective to test different messages because you can literally have different banners for different tactics, remarketing, um, demand generation, demand capturing, um, any upper lower funnel strategies or any upper funnel lower, um, uh, what is it called? Not tactic, uh, but anyway, tactic. Well, well, it's how you segment, like, let me- Yeah, segment, uh, exactly. That's the word I was looking for. Right, right, hello. Uh, (laughs) But anyway, but you know, I, you can never, the beauty of display advertising and digital is uh, don't try to cookie cutter, you know, <laughs> depending on the budget, but um, exactly that's, a, that's the beauty of programmatic, right? Like, let's just say your target audience is male and female. Um, it may not be, you know, so maybe your messaging targets, it's the same product, but maybe you have a male skew message and a female skew message. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Right? And then exactly. That's why I mentioned the cost, cost efficiency there. It's because you're able to, to, build a banner very easily 
and test different messages. You mentioned the demographical test, right? Female versus male, uh, different click to action, different um, different uh, logos onto your banners or with or without logos, the coloring, dark or light, you're able to do those type of tests well, very easily uh, with a banner. And then you can spread it out into a video. Oh, this message is performing really well. I wonder if we do a video based on this message or upgrading that message, how it's going to do. Mm -hmm. So it's a good way to start any test. Well, yeah, providing you have a good budget. To test and set, That's up, correct. A, that set, is up, correct. set up hypotheses and all that stuff. <laughs> but but let me uh, circle back for a minute on okay. the word programmatic, which mm -hmm. you know, a word maybe 10 years old. Um, it's very young. Yep. Most companies will say most probably, well, probably use a Google product mm -hmm. and they don't promote themselves as programmatic. It's mm -hmm. the Google display network because programmatic typically had been, you know, with data audience targeting as compared to specific websites or contextual with keywords. I know it's a little weeds. Am mm -hmm. I explaining that right? Like programmatic is more audience-based targeting as a general definition? To some extent. So the word programmatic is just a sexy or fancy word for automation targeting. So programmatic media is just, I'm using an automated technology to um, target that audience, to show my message, to target different geographical, et cetera. So when you hear programmatic media, you should always hear this is a, this is a strategy that will involve very um, advanced advertising technology in the media mix. So you're right, Google Marketing Platform, GMP, is, is considered programmatic media because it's automated. Like you, I don't have to go direct to ESPM.com and place the ad. I do it via via the ad tech and basically place the ad that way mm -hmm. instead of going direct. Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, if you talk about big picture, I know I'm sidebarring here. No, nope. <laughs> um, <laughs> those are but, the best. Okay. <laughs> I know. Well, well, the point is, is like with all this display I've done in the past, mm -hmm. I mean, there's got to be the thing with programmatic folks, and I don't want to get in any detail because we're targeting C level people here, but mm -hmm. you know, if you read about like real-time bidding and i'm putting quotes up you can't see me uh <laughs> you know it, it, that's the part of the automation is the bidding part it's a, mm -hmm. it, you know everything in digital is like an auction and uh for the most part and uh and the higher you bid the better placements you're going to get because it's competitive and it happens in a second but the point is is uh, uh what was my point ellen uh, so the point the point is is like um like with google well, with display in general, you can mm -hmm. buy ESPN directly mm -hmm. and pay through the roof. Yep. Now, like a $15, $20 CPM, where with programmatic might be a $5 CPM, cost per thousand impressions. <laughs> and uh, But the point is, is they're guaranteed impressions. Like I'm buying 200,000 impressions on ESPN. Mm -hmm. but with programmatic, I might be buying a sports audience category it may include espn it may include and not that's why it's cheaper yeah. it's that you're targeting an audience who's interested in sports versus a placement am i right yeah so that's that's an excellent point so the beauty of using programmatic media platforms is the fact that now you're going away from site targeting to an intent to an in-market segment or an audience that is most likely to convert for you. And when I say convert is again, 
think about your objectives here. Are you trying to sell cars? Okay, we can't really buy cars online, yes, unless you're Carvana, but all the other mom and pops dealership that we love and, and support, um, your, your digital goal would be uh, for them to come to your website, view the cars, and then maybe schedule a tour, or I'm sorry, a drive, schedule a drive, for instance. So that would be like some type of action that could be tracked. And, and the way it translates back out into the programmatic media mix is the fact that, well, we'll be able to work with data providers that have tracked and measure people that are currently looking for new cars, right? So we would want to target them. They're in the decision-making. They, they have that intent that leads us to wanting to target them and pay for that $15 CPM. And display advertising is a good, efficient way to do it because you're able to, again, test the different messages per that. So if you want to pu push for the Audi of the month versus the Toyota, then you'll be able to test that message. Again, it's, you brought up a good point earlier, Paul, in terms of if it's, if it's in the scope, then I strongly recommend you test the different messaging. But that's how you want to see programmatic media um, well, position into your mix. Well, let's talk the car dealer's side just for because you brought it up. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but, you know, one of the questions we're having about is, you know, programmatic and not to get too much in the weeds, but mm -hmm. how do you target? You know, you know, there's all of these third party data companies. You've heard mm -hmm. of Axiom, I think, and Claritas and, uh, you know, all of the Experian and, you know, and all these data companies that are out there and mm -hmm. they compile research of audiences based on their email addresses and other behavior. Right. And then yep. they, and then they, you know, basically, I guess we'll just use the word, sell that data to an ad platform that you can buy and they transition into like a digital audience. Right. And um, so like, for example, the car dealer thing, you could say like, Oh, here's a company that has Polk data. Polk is a big automotive intent company. Right. And so, and that's how Correct. I guess, I guess that's how I guess Google and these other platforms um, target intent because of the Polk data yep. of buyer intent. And then you align mm -hmm. that with your, well, go ahead. I'm preaching the choir, but it's no, for, absolutely. That's a good point. So how do you decide on data partners? That's right. why you right. have Paul, you have me, you reach out to one of us because that's what we do. We've, we've worked with some of those partners firsthand and we have case studies and we have personal, but also professional opinion and recommendation in terms of data partners, right? Um, it goes back to what, what exactly are you trying to accomplish is when you look at that data partner, this is the three things you want to remember, transparency, costs, and efficiency. Transparency, how much, how much transparency will you get working from that data partner? If you're not able to measure who you're tracking to some extent, like if they're in market for a specific model, for instance, then and you're not able to access reporting when you need to re to see reporting maybe you should reconsider the partnership um cause you pay for what you 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 get what you pay for isn't that what they say yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's to say that it's not that you'll have to spend millions of dollars no 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 i've worked with um some some small to medium-sized brands um that we would probably consider like tier two or tier three that are doing very well with data partners. You have to negotiate, right? Um, and the third one was efficiency in terms of how fast is that data um, being implemented in your media, but also um, just simply 
the team, like the support, efficiency, not only in your, in your, in your campaigns or in your media or in your strategy, but also that support that support team that's going to walk you through or implement. So transparency is very important. You want to know and stay on top of things. You don't want to pay top dollars, but at the same time, there is some investment associated with working with data partners. The most common one is the CPM fee added. Yeah, and right. That's you, how they make their money. Right. Sure. Um, and then third, how efficient is, is the strategy? Like when are we going to be able to see certain results? Um, don't expect results overnight. <laughs> please give give the professional give us data expert sometimes to to work on magic and optimize based on the conversion we agreed on or the kpi wow. we agreed on uh, but make sure that that team is there and provided supported for you i've had like horror stories from clients that came to me and say well i only talked to that person once and it was when they onboarded that was a year and a half ago what so how do you know what's going on with your data are you able to log in yeah but I don't understand. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> well, you know, but, that's what I mean by efficiency. Like, make sure that that team is there for you. <laughs> right. Well, you're, you know, let's let's talk about this uh, big picture of measurement because yeah. a C-level person, like, is, mm -hmm. you know, I know in the industry we have to do some education, you know, because like I mentioned, it's like, you know, it's a strategy is a branding or direct response you know you need frequency messaging i mean no one's got their wallet ready to buy you know when they see a display ad oh look i mean very rarely right so or whatever it is i mean if you do lead generation with b2b maybe look oh there's something interesting yeah but well it depends so i think that the thing with display advertising is that it gets a bad rep because of those bad marketers that i mentioned earlier that are not really good at frequency capping for instance but if you have an expert on team and you set up those levers and you are make sure you're making sure that you're really targeted or hyper targeted in your messaging, then display could be one of your best performing one because of the cost, because of the efficiency on how we buy it. Um, so because of the viewability of it. So just just see display again as a complement to what you're running. And it shouldn't be just a, a a message for reach and everybody sees it unless you're a healthcare informer that's a different ball game yeah 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 different <laughs> well i guess in theory as long again you know mm -hmm. as long as there's a decent budget and time frame i mean some people could say hey well let's do search and facebook mm -hmm. and let's do search facebook and display a b test and see if there's any kind of lift mm -hmm. because you know don't get me started with the facebook pixels and all that but <laughs> But the, the point of the matter is, though, is, um, and I'm being honest, mm -hmm. you know, we, yeah, we, this, we spoke about this is the concept of attribution and, 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 and the dreaded view through conversion, you know, which is basically telling a client, look, there's some effect here. We don't know <laughs> where it is in the purchase funnel, but somewhere along the line and maybe 30 days or if you look back at 60, whatever it is, somebody performed an action on your website. And they saw an ad somewhere in that journey. So we mm -hmm. give that credit, right? The ad size, the placement. And that's really a lot of times the best you can do as far as tracking, right? Is, mm -hmm. is using that kind of attribution to see if people are moving the needle through the, through the journey because of your display campaigns. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. And um, yeah, attribution is a big thing right now. Measuring attribution is a big thing. And I do agree that close to 70 to 80% of 
display conversion are all you through. So they've seen the ad, but didn't click through right away and ended up remembering like, oh, Paul, I remember this guy. Let me let me look him up and look him up. And then the last credit touch would be attributed to that display ad. Um, well, you but, hope or it could be organic traffic or, you know, or or something be, oh, else, actually, you're right? right. You're right. You're right. You're right. The <laughs> first I meant to say the first um, interaction will be credited to the display. And the last one will be wherever they converted. And most of the time they convert via search because they literally type up your website or right, look right. for your services and then click through. And because in our industry, we operate most of the time. We operate as last touch, meaning when when was the last action that the consumer did before converting? That last touch is where the credit will go. So most that's why search is super popular. Search is is sexy for the client because it shows the investment. Like usually, return of ad spends is lower on search conversion. Like CPAs are lower on 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 search because of that last touch. But the reality is that. If nobody knows about your product, you need you need that awareness point, which display is a good one. Facebook is a good rate, a great one as well. Social, paid social. Um, so you have to remember that even though display might come across of like, oh my gosh, the CPMs are higher, CPAs are higher than search. It does, it's intentional and intentionally placed for an awareness or like the message wow. should be seen on a broader scale. But it goes back to what we spoke about before is the journey, right? Yeah, and, it's the journey. And, exactly. And, Perfect. Yeah. So so like so just for people out there who would understand a little more is like you could set up five or six different audience segments. Mm-hmm. Let's use the 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 card data again. And you mm-hmm. might say if you have enough budget, you know, male, female, maybe income and maybe some other SUV versus sports car interest. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, right? You set up like all these. That's the that's the fun part of programmatic is having fun with all these uh, overlapping segments and or right. So yeah, and and then what'll happen is if you have enough budget for each segment, say, and you use the same creative, mm-hmm. or maybe you rotate whatever it is, and then you're saying, well, segment one, two, and three had of say a view through conversion rate of two percent, and the other ones are like zero or whatever. Then you can put more money in the segments that are working better. And so, I mean, that's really kind of right. That's kind of what you have to like communicate as far as what we do for if there's no view, just view through conversions, then we have to optimize it toward people more likely to see that ad in their funnel, which means we're targeting the right people. And that's the beauty of display, right? So yeah, absolutely. And that's honestly, that's the beauty of all programmatic or digital media is the fact that we can measure performance and make decision. I think that's, that's why it's almost, it's called almost real time. Programmatic media is called real time is because that data is coming in almost real time. Um, So with few hours lag, give or take, depending on the DSP you're using or the technology you're using. So it comes in that day, you're able to see up to yesterday how you performed cost-wise, impression-wise, conversion, viewability, even like things like click-through rate. You're able to see those basic metrics as it comes in and utilize that data to make decisions. And you mentioned if something is not performing, something is below 2% ROAS or, I mean, I'm sorry, 2% conversion rate, then why continue, you know, after uh, a good 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, you can decide like, if it's not seasonality based, you can absolutely decide if you should continue funding that strategy or not. 
that's the beauty of programmatic media, in my opinion, is the fact that that measurement is so efficient, is so transparent. You have it right then and there to some extent, again, give or take a few hours. <laughs> and, and that's the difference. And, and you're able to get down to that channel, display performing against video, against YouTube, against streaming audio, against search. Right. Okay. Good yeah. discussion so far. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty cool. I mean, I may be, I may be biased, but yeah, <laughs> I, right. it's, I think it's very fascinating. The fact that, and this is going to sound really cliche, but oh well. But that's how we tell stories. That's why we call ourselves storytellers. Because we look at this data and we're able to say, this in segment, which is targeting uh, Ford in market, in the last in the next thirty days or lease coming uh, expiring in the last thirty days and the next two three months, we're able to segment those audiences. We're able to say, well, those people tend to convert better on iOS phones, and for some reason, they spend a lot of time on Fridays because our conversion rate is high oh. on Fridays. You know, well. so that type of data. That's how we're able to tell those stories. That's why we're able to pull personas and start building avatars based on our sales, um, our, our audience targeting, excuse me. So, but right. the reality is that some of that transparency will eventually disappear depending, give or take another year and a half because of the cookie deprecation um, as we- Yeah, I was, I was just gonna touch base on that a little bit. Not mm -hmm. you know, that anybody really understands it, but uh, um, how's it gonna affect the industry? I, it's a little early, it's May, 2021 as we record this. So. <laughs> But um, but do you have any high level insight yeah. and your thoughts on the 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 changing of tracking in the in the cookie list environment because Chrome is removing all that from their yeah. browser? So Safari already has anyway. But go yeah, ahead. Safari removed uh, attribution after a day for a while, um, and then even uh, what's the other one? Firefox. Firefox removed it. So is it going to cookie deprecation is going to affect our industry It's going to affect how we plan, how we strategize, how we measure and convert to some extent. Um, we currently use cookies a lot more than it was intended for. It was accidental. Okay. Just so you know, a cookie is this ID that's attributed to you as a user when you end up on a website using a browser. So Google Chrome, which is owned by Google, um, basically IDs us or put, put this ID. So instead of Helen, Ellen Parker, um, between the age of 25, 35, business owner, North Carolina, uh, African-American female, that's the type of information that you'll receive minus my name maybe and minus my my phone number etc so the cookie gives tracks me across the site the first problem with the cookie targeting was the fact that each website and each browsers id differently so for one browser i was id as a xz and for the other one i was id as 234 and so there is already a misconnection, like a mixed communication between the two. So that's why you see the same data providers providing, no pun intended, the same data providers uh, giving us the same segments because they ID it differently. So now all of those IDs are going to go away. We're not going to be able to implement, to target in market for an Audi X, whatever, 
um, affinity is Justin Bieber. So it's perfect target for, I don't know, Adele, whichever. Um, purchase one book, one novel at Target and spend $50 once a month. So Walmart, we want to target that, for instance. So we are no longer going to be able to have that those type of segments. What we'll have or what the industry is working on is potentially using hashed email. Um, the, the trade desk and the pre-bid, which are the trade desk is a, the men's side platform and ad tech is working on a universal UID, which will allow many of those exchange or those technologies to communicate on the one language and replace the cookies. So that's one initiative. Google has a few initiatives, but the most popular yeah. and talked about is Flock, which is, if you look it up, it means something. <laughs> the C stands for cohort. Basically, we'll be able to target um, interest based on the, a cohort of interest. So it'll be a little bit more um, general. It won't be as niche. Well, in other words, it's, it may not be as individual based, yeah, but it's, it's it, it won't be, be like, just lots of different group of yeah exactly yeah so 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 it it will accept yeah yeah it's going to affect us but the thing and the beauty about the industry is that we might not be proactive but we're amazing reactive um reactors i should say and um i'm super proud that we have some initiatives out there and i'm very hopeful but i'm also a person that see a glass halfway full So if you ask well, somebody else, the sentiment might be anxiety, but it is, it's going to, it's going to affect things, but we, we will have solutions here. Right. We'll have to reassess, you we'll, know, like you said, we'll, we'll have, have to, to reassess. Right. I mean, it's not going away. It's just going to no. be different. That's all. Mm-hmm. So, all right. We'll have to keep an eye on that. Um, <laughs> so just a couple more questions for you. Sure. Um, you know, I just basically, you know, it's one thing about, being diligent on the placements, the strategy, and this and that, but we talk about creative. In your view, what do you think is the best practice on, I mean, everybody loves to be creative, but what have you seen work as far as a creative standpoint? I mean, how different colors, animations, you know, like mm-hmm. um, sizes, whatever, like how about just a quick uh, few couple minutes on um, your, in your opinion on uh, what creative strategy works? Um, I think it's a great segue from what we just talked about, about cookie deprecation. Um, I mentioned just a handful of in a solution, initial solution, just so you know, there's a few more out there. But what I've been saying, even talking to guests from the on my podcast, is we're going to become the best creative people ever known in this industry. Look what happened in the last year with some certain brands we went away from just throwing things at the mass to almost having almost becoming so personal like having a one-on-one message with the audience because of what covid did they're streaming they're streaming so much more content now so how am i going to get that attention with the message almost 90 percent of the campaigns have have either strategize on or be part of the strategy or be part of the activation have succeeded because of the messaging. So in terms of what kind of messages, again, I know you've hear, heard me say that, but it has to make sense. Like you have to stay on brand, right? So an animated or a static may work for your campaign, depending on the strategy, depending on the, the audiences. Animated tend to perform a little bit better because it's 
right? Well, it grabs, like it grabs, shifting, your, right? It grabs your attention. <laughs> Exactly. Really the idea, because really you're on a website to get to read content, not ads. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So things like HTML5s, which is a format of display, advert- uh, display creative or GIFs or GIF, whichever it's called today, tends to perform slightly better um, than like a static. But again, I've seen some static campaigns only run static oh. perform excellent. You know, that's also why video for awareness-based campaign, like a reach campaign, not uh, only a remarketing campaign or a card abandoner campaign. That's why video tends to perform really well on the awareness side because of the video, you know, because it's taking you through a story that you're in need and you want to find out more information about it. So in terms of like the details, creative is not my expertise, but it never failed. Like, if the creative sucks, the results are going to be mediocre. Right. Well, I always tell people anyway is bring people in with something interesting and creative and then bring them out with persuasion mm-hmm. and offer. Right. So if you do animation slide, the first slide can or whatever it is, however you do mm-hmm. it is, this is interesting to me. It's worth a click, a yeah. real click, not a fraud click. Uh, <laughs> right. A real click. Yes, please. And, and then, uh, you know, don't get me started with uh, ads and apps because I think they're like, why would I leave my my game to go to an uh, anyway? But um, <laughs> I don't understand that. But anyway, um, but but the point is, is uh, mm-hmm. right. You know, a really solid offer because if I'm in the market to buy something, or mm-hmm. I'm in the market because of if it's B two B, I've got a business problem. Grab my attention with something that relates to my need. That's what targeting is all about: message and target together, and then. Give him a nice big golfer, you know, promo Here's, code, you know, whatever it is. Exactly. So. Here's where um, messaging and channels or placement has worked, have worked really, really well. Uh, like to give the example of Charmin. I don't know if you have Hulu or anyone out listening has Roku, but when you're sure. watching on Hulu, particularly, I think that's, that's a new thing that they're offering now. You're watching your show and you want to pause and then go do live your best life for a hot second before coming back. You'll see that sometime you'll see either Coca-Cola even does it or Charmin just pop up in your pause view, right? That might not be considered per se display, but it's really high impact. And it says, and it literally has Charmin while you go, while you go, um, remember to, we take care of your business while you do this or whatever, but it's right there. You pause your streaming and it has your attention. Like you were already fully at- attentive to what you was on TV um, or on the, the screen or on your phone and you see it pop up. That's such a great way. Like it's, it's the placement is streaming here. Okay. Streaming video. And, and the message Charmin has that little, little, little bear and just wow. two or three words capturing what is there for you. You're all going to use if you got to go, you got to go. You're going to use toilet paper, right? Unless it wasn't like in, at the beginning of COVID when everybody was just buying bread and, and toilet wipe, paper. But wipe, anyway. wipe you are. Yeah, exactly. Lysol is doing a great, Lysol is doing well, a great thing on their messaging as well. Lysol and. um. Well, but, you know, Geico and then progressive and insurance companies, things like mm-hmm. that. You know, yeah, they're becoming more, prog- uh, more creative. But, like. but you're, you know, progressive, but you're talking about a lot of big picture things about programmatic TV now, which is a whole nother story, but, um, that's true. But, uh, but you know, um, versus those little display ads uh, that I can't close out of my app, except I have to wait <laughs> 10 seconds to see that X show up. 
Oh, you're getting me started. But anyway, um, <laughs> you know, anyway, but, you know, creativity, placement, creativity offer, you know, that's really mm -hmm. the bottom line and measurement. So put yeah, that all, so put that all together, right? Yeah. That's, that's an ideal campaign. Yeah. If you talk about copies and design that's worked before, uh, shopping, talking specifically in the retail, we have all seen it. It follows us everywhere. Did you forget something? That actually works really well. It performs very well. Click here and get 20% off. That's also translated into email marketing where you'll see like the, the ad and the email marketing saying, click here to get 20% off in the next 25, no, I mean, two, two days or whatever, five hours, whichever it is. Those type of copy performs really well. Um, But I should say that somebody, this is very targeted. So they're utilizing first-party data targeting at this point, not third-party data. We don't need a data provider. We just need to make sure we're tracking our audiences correctly on the website. So somebody that's going to see a did you forget message or book now or sign up today is most likely to have visited a page on your website and you're just remarketing to that particular page view. Again, um, okay, so that's when messages and creative or creative and audience targeting works really well where you know that you're segmenting your first party data and serving based on that message so did you forget yeah, um right, right. or even like a card abandoner like well uh, it, it, check yeah. out right now and get five percent off and if you don't want to offer no discount that's absolutely fine just having the checkout now or did you forget literally makes so much sense like yeah. it, it performs so much better than just to learn more for right, those right. type of audiences for the type of audiences no i agree i mean you're talking maybe a big picture of personalization too so yeah um well let's um this is good stuff but let's wind up with a uh um a summary of for the executive is you know the role of display and revenue growth and uh, building a business and, and and your thoughts from a big picture about its role the role of display advertising? Yeah, in general, like, um, you know, summarize its role and, um, you know, be why it, it should be considered based on your budget and goals and uh, don't take it lightly, basically. Um, that yeah. it, it may not be as measurable, I hear I'm saying it for you, um, but, uh, but uh, by the way, no, no one's bought a product they've never heard of. Think about that, <laughs> okay? Okay. <laughs> so, and how do you hear of things sometimes? Even when you're in the grocery stores and you're walking by, if you've never seen that brand, it was strategically positioned for you. There's a reason why there's chocolates and Pepsis and Cokes at the register. So oh, it's, yeah. it's all yeah. strategic. Impulse, but yeah. There's also a reason why milk and bread are all the way at the, uh, inside yeah, the store because I've you have to walk years. through. So, so the role of this advertising, should you consider, should you not consider? You should absolutely consider that. How does it translate in lead generation and revenue growth? Again, you should see it as a complement to what you already have implemented. It's a great way to test new audiences. It's a great way to test new, ge new geography. If you have, um, if you're performing well in Charlotte, but you wanna maybe target Raleigh, that's a great way to start. Allocate a small budget, see how it performs. It's also a great way to perform, uh, to test different messages, um, different audiences. I'm just mentioned geographical um, areas. It is great to test during seasonality, during Black Fridays or, oh, yeah, sure. or Christmas time or this summer. 
this summer, somebody's going to be scrolling through Instagram. Yes, go ahead. Even though it's paid social, you can have a static or not. Jewelry stores, Christmas and Valentine's Day. Exactly. Yeah, all of that. So definitely think about implementing the um, display advertising into your media mix. Again, it complements very well with something else. And if you need to start your advertising journey or your advertising effort for your revenue growth or for lead generation purposes, then display advertising may be a cost efficient um more cost efficient to test versus streaming videos or right, you right. know Roku, even though your audience might be watching uh, Hulu right now. Yeah, great. All right, Ellen Parker, uh, how do people find you? You can uh, find me on Helen ellenparker.com, but phonetically it's Helene Parker, H-E-L-E-N-E Parker.com. Or you can listen to my podcast, Programmatic Digest Podcast. It's um roundup of one or two topics in the programmatic and digital media space it is intentional and is uh, the mission is is to learn more from others and share knowledge so you also can find me on linkedin instagram and twitter i'm very responsive on my social media so um thank you okay. so much for having me uh that was a lot of fun that was sure. very much fun it was i mean when two advertising people get together you know what that means <laughs> it means ready for my pun <laughs> We click. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm so going to use this again, sir. <laughs> you, may. you may. I will use it and give you the credit. 100% credit to you. Okay. And to the podcast. Okay. Great. <laughs> so, but so display advertising, it's just something to consider in the big media mix. If you have enough budget and time to yeah. just understand the role of it and the metrics and uh, don't be afraid to test. Uh, but Definitely just it, not. Just have an update and give it time. Uh, yeah, it's not and a set it and forget it type of thing. You have to continue optimizing and looking at your data. Right, exactly. That's your role. So thank you very much for joining me. This is Paul Mosenson, um, Fixed to Convince podcast. We're always in the process of convincing and ads convince, landing pages convince. Everything we do is convincing and we fix it. Thanks for listening. Until next time, take care. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to get more marketing optimization insights. Fix the convince. Thanks for